Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Jeune Mama podcast, where we talk about all things pregnancy, postpartum, motherhood, tips and tricks, and more from a Senegalese American perspective. Now, today I'm going to try something a little different because it takes so much time to try to record these episodes and get them out. And I try to be perfect and be like, oh, no, it has to be this way. It has to be that way. It takes me a lot of time, much more than I would like to get an episode out there for you guys. And that's not supposed to be the point of this. Thinking back to when I first thought about starting a podcast. Yes, sharing information, accurate, timely information was what I wanted to do. But perfection was never on my list of criteria. And so here on out, you may occasionally get like that really well done, well edited, well thought out episode. But much like today's episode, you might also get a mumbo jumbo, an episode where I'm just going to talk freely, do as few edits as possible, and hopefully be as raw and authentic as possible because anybody got time. All right, so I realized in previous episodes, I did not give a disclaimer. And this episode doesn't necessarily need a disclaimer, but prior episodes where I was out here talking about what's going to happen to your baby and what might happen to you, I definitely should have gave a disclaimer. So I just want to give a general disclaimer that I'm not a doctor. I don't know what I'll be talking about. So if you are listening to my podcast, don't forget that you still need to consult with your doctor for any and everything going on with you. I am just here for entertainment purposes, sharing general anecdotal knowledge, sharing other people's stories, sharing my stories, but I am by no means a doctor. I don't know what could be going on with you specifically, and so just had to put that out there. And like I mentioned, today's episode didn't really need a disclaimer because I'm going to be talking about things that I heard while I was in Senegal or while I was here since I've had my baby or since I've gotten pregnant that just had me pause for a second. It's like, hmm, either it made me pause because it's like, why would you say that to me? Or it made me pause because I didn't know and I had to just think a little bit about it. But today's episode is going to be on random things that people have told me since being pregnant or becoming a mother. And so the first thing this is going to be very much like story based. So kick your feet back, get comfortable, grab a drink, whatever you need to do, because I'm just about to start rambling. Here we go. The first one is that if you guys know, well, maybe you don't know, but in Senegalese culture, we wear our babies on our backs. So it's called botu. And you do this once the baby starts getting like probably around the one month mark when they're strong enough to be able to and you do this throughout their babyhood so like up until like two three years old it's great for when you have things that you need to do and you need your hands to be free it's great for when they're fussy because oftentimes it can help them fall asleep but it's a really convenient way to carry your baby not in front of you behind you so you still have your hands free and you can get about get around and move and move around but here's the story. So I was walking at um, um, an outdoor market in Senegal, and it was around um, sunset time. So in Wolof, was called Timis. And I had my baby just in my arms. She was sleeping and had a blanket over her, like completely over her. So you couldn't see her. I like covered her face and everything with like a soft blanket just so she could have really comfortable sleep. And we walk up to this lady who was selling things and she was like, 
oh, during Timmy's, during sunset, you should really have your baby like behind your back. You should board your baby and not hold her. And I thought in that moment, should I ask her why or not? And I decided to ask her why. And she didn't. She was just like, it's just better. It's just better. And I was like, hmm, I don't really like this conversation because if the point is to just hold your baby safely during sunset, am I not doing that? But anyways, I decided not to get into it. I just let it go because what I didn't really understand. (laughs) But that was um, the first thing that kind of just stuck out to me when I sat down and thought about what I should talk about in this episode. That one really really stayed with me and maybe I'll get an answer one day but for now I still don't have an answer so if you're out there listening and you do have an answer feel free to let me know the next one is that when you're breastfeeding you should rub your baby's head so that they're not afraid to get their hair done later on in life i.e. they're not tender-headed I never knew this I don't know the validity behind it, but I definitely do it because I have a baby girl and I want her to get all the styles that she would like when she's older. So if me rubbing her head while she's breastfeeding is the best way to prevent tenderheadedness, then let's do it. This one is also related to breastfeeding. So sometimes when you're having a letdown while you're breastfeeding, we'll talk about what a letdown is in another episode, but essentially it's when the milk is gushing out then sometimes your baby will choke on that milk or they'll gag. And so you should blow on the fontanelle. So that fontanelle is in Wolof what's called the Nampental. When the baby is born, their skull is not yet fully formed. There's usually a soft spot. Doctors check for it when you go for visits. So if you're breastfeeding and your baby is choking on the milk, then you can blow on that fontanelle, that soft spot on their head. And it should help is what I've been told. Um, I have done it. I've been breastfeeding where she um, will choke. And I still, I'll blow on it. I don't know. I have not counted whether or not it helps. Eventually, she just stopped choking. And so maybe it's attributed to the fact that I'm blowing on the fontanelle. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But it's something random and interesting that I have been told over time. This next one might resonate with a lot of you is socks, socks, socks. Whenever people see my baby without socks on, Senegalese people, they immediately freak out. They're like, put some socks on this girl. And so I don't know. I just thought I'd include it in this episode because I find it interesting and hilarious when people see her raw feet and they're just like, why don't you have socks on this girl? I mean, it's customary for babies to wear socks, right? There's this notion overall that young babies should be covered from head to toe in Senegalese culture, you know, you shouldn't have your baby wearing tank tops and no pants, no socks. So that I get that. Um, but the socks thing seems to stand out. I've noticed that a couple of times whenever she either miss, is missing a socks, loses a sock, or is just not wearing socks that day. It tends to be a big deal. This next one, I think, is hilarious and not hilarious at the same time. <laughs> so I have been told that you should not cut a baby's fingernails because culturally they say when they're older, they will become a thief. I don't know where this came from. I don't know if it's true or if it's not true. Like I said, I'm just a messenger. I'm bringing things to y'all that I have heard in my time. And I think it's so interesting that someone made this correlation or this 
statement. I don't even know. If I, I don't know if I should call it a correlation because I guess you would have to have done a study to see how many adult thieves had their nails cut as babies. But it's interesting because those baby nails are so strong and they're so painful when they get a hold of your face. They're grabbing and they're pulling and they're scratching along the way. So it can be very, very painful. So it's up to each individual parent, depending on if you believe this or not, if you would like to cut your baby's nails. Personally, I'm not going to tell you if I cut my baby's nails or not. Just know that this is something I've been told. Okay, uh, this next one, it's a little interesting because babies will get um, diaper rashes from time to time. They may not ever. They may get them frequently. just depends on the baby's sensitivity, their diet, how long they stay in a diaper. A bunch of different factors can contribute to diaper rashes. But um, it's been said in our culture that you can use breast milk to put on the diaper rash like outside of the baby's skin but that it should not touch the genitals because this will mean they'll be fast when they grow up now I just gotta pause on this one because are we saying that this only pertains to girl babies or will male babies also be fast when they're older and again much like the correlation issue have there been studies done on fast adults who had breast milk on their genitals when they were younger? Like, <laughs> this is one of those things I couldn't even script. Like, I wouldn't even know what to write down in a script if I were to script this episode. Because what is this even saying? Like, breast milk is used to cure so many things. Well, maybe not cure, but it's such a helpful. It's called the, like, golden juice. Is that what it's called? Liquid gold, that's what it's called. It's called liquid gold for many, many reasons. Like there's a lot of things that breast milk can treat. And so I just wonder where this statement came from. Who was the first person to say, don't put breast milk on the genitals or they'll be a hoe when they grow up? Like, excuse my language, but that is just such a crazy statement. I had to include in this episode. Let me know if you've heard of it before, because it's literally like it blows my mind that someone would have thought to say this and that it's still being said across the world. Well, across Senegal, I should say Senegalese culture. I don't know if other cultures believe it. Feel free if you are from another culture and you're listening to this to let me know. But that's just crazy. All right, this next one, I'm going to say it in Wolof first and then loosely translate it. So I have a very small baby. Maybe I shouldn't put very on there, but I, I have a small baby. Like she's petite. She was petite when she was in the stomach. She was petite when she was born and she's growing petitely according to her size. And so a lot of people, when they see her for the first time, will just tell me, oh, like my milk is not good. And I don't know what that means. I really don't um, like I don't know how to interpret that statement. At first, I used to get offended when I heard it. Eventually, I stopped getting offended because I realized it wasn't worth it. And it's just one of those things that people say out of habit and it's not like maliciously intended. But it really is just interesting how people can hold your baby for the first time and just make comments that. As a newborn mom, and maybe this is a first world problem, but as a newborn mom, it can feel very triggering. It can feel very frustrating because you feel like you're doing the best that you can 
when you're breastfeeding, you're literally, you can only give what's in your body. Like you can't fabricate milk to give to your baby. You can give formula and supplement if you would like to. You can exclusively give formula. But if you're exclusively breastfeeding, hearing statements like that can be very hurtful, can be very like annoying. And so sometimes I just roll my eyes and just keep going like, like, oh, are you are you feeding the baby? And like, no, I'm not feeding the baby. I just let them sit there all day long with no milk. That's what I'm doing. Like, of course, I'm feeding the baby. But what am I supposed to do? I can't make them grow to a size that they're not ready to grow to yet. So that was just another interesting one that I heard multiple times personally. And I didn't like it. Didn't like it one bit. There's another statement that people say in our culture that breastfeeding boys is harder than breastfeeding girls. Um, people have probably seen this in their personal lives. Like if you have a baby boy and a baby girl, you might have experienced breastfeeding differently. There are certain people who have boys and you see them and it's, it looks like they've lost a lot of weight. And somebody might be like, oh, well, they're breastfeeding a boy. Like that's why. So I don't know scientifically, biologically, the validity of this. It is said very, very often in Senegalese culture. I would love to hear from any boy moms who breastfed, preferably boy moms who also had girls who breastfed and can compare the two. I don't have a point of reference for that. It's just something that we hear a lot. Um, when I was sitting down to think about this episode, I did a little research on breastfeeding boys versus breastfeeding girls or being pregnant with boys versus being pregnant with girls. And it's true that in the womb, boy babies tend to require a lot more nutrients and a lot more vitamins, a lot more energy and power. So that can be very true because they're just growing much faster in the womb. Um, my research showed me that once they're out of the womb, though, when you're breastfeeding, it's not necessarily that boy babies will breastfeed more or differently 100%. Every baby is different. Every baby requires something different of you as the mom and your breast milk will adjust to that. And so I didn't really see anything concrete around a difference between breastfeeding boys and girls. Um, but to each their own. If people would like to do research around that, then feel free to. Otherwise, this is just a statement that's said in Senegalese culture very often that that's just what we hear. This next one was controversial for my husband and I because um, culturally, religiously, when you have a baby, seven days after you cut the baby's hair, and what you're supposed to do is weigh that hair and give to charity the equivalent of the weight of that baby's hair. And so you cut the hair on the seventh day, most people move on with their lives. Senegalese people like to tolenti, that's the word, and it is to cut the hair for a second time because it is believed that if you cut the hair a second time, it will be even and then all the hair can grow together all at once. So my baby got her hair cut one time. She has bald spots, like that bald spot across the, I guess what, the middle of her head where she's laying down and like rolling her head all over the place so she has that bald spot and everyone's like oh you should have cut her hair a second time like if you did it wouldn't be like this I personally don't know if it would or would not be like that I also just don't care <laughs> like we made a decision we we're gonna cut her hair according to Islam that one time eventually she will get hair like everybody 
The science of how hair works is not that you cut it a second time and magically all the hair grows together at the same time. There's just certain periods of time, especially before your baby is able to sit, that they're on the ground rolling a lot so that friction can cause some bald spots. So for us, we're comfortable with how our hair looks. We know eventually it'll grow. Just because people want us to cut it a second time doesn't mean we have to succumb to that. And that's what some of this stuff is that I'm talking about is like it's personal opinion it's people's experiences that doesn't have to mean it's your experience or has to be your experience as well. And so you just have to take it with a grain of salt, apply it to you however you would like to and move on with your life. And with the haircutting, that's something we just had to do. We just had to when people say, oh, you should cut our hair a second time, smile, nod our heads and be like, mm-hmm, yeah, inshallah. And then just go home and do what we want to do, because people will always have things to tell you about your baby. That's one thing that is just like an overarching theme, like. People will always have things to say. And so if you're if you have if you don't have thick skin, it can get to you a lot of the times. And some of that thick skin takes time to develop. When you first have your baby, everything will be triggering. Everything will annoy you. Everything will frustrate you. And over time, what I've learned is that you kind of just like let things roll off your back a lot easier. You are able to make decisions on your own. You don't have to do what people say. Now, it doesn't make the things and the comments that they say any easier to deal with, but at least internally for you, you can have more peace of mind that people are just saying things because they're compelled to. I don't know what compels them to, but they are compelled to and you don't have to do what they say. Now, we've all heard of the famous dump or the massage, the postnatal massage that you get after having a baby. And, you know, Senegalese culture would tell you, I've been speaking a little bit of Wolof in this episode because some of these things are Wolof phrases that I just like are that I'm saying in English because for the purposes of the episode. But like they'll say something like, um, and you're like, well, I guess I should translate it first before I react. <laughs> they say like the first time you have a baby, how you treat your body after giving birth is going to determine whether your body completely deteriorates or is good from there on. And so that was a very loose, maybe not the best translation of it, but essentially like after care, postnatal care is important is what they're getting at. And you should eat Rui. We'll talk about Rui in another episode. Um, you should eat like liquids, drink lots of warm liquids. You should eat soup. You should eat Rui. You should get the dump with the postnatal massage, like cover your body like put shea butter on your body like there's a lot of ritualistic things that you do postnatal to get your body right after you give birth and so this one I just have to pause for a second and say that like dampa is one of those things that it's nice to have once you give birth for people back home it's almost like always guaranteed unless unless and that's why I want to talk about it unless you have a c-section if you have a c-section you can't be like laying down and getting like vigorously massaged anytime after having a c-section like soon after having a c-section I should say so your body is obviously going through the post-surgery recovery and so to say that dampa is the only way to get your body right after you give birth for me I don't really like that statement because there's a lot of women who don't have an option. They have to have a C-section. And once you have a C-section, you can't bounce right back and just go get dampu. So I don't know. I, I don't like that statement very much. I think it is beneficial if you're able to get dampu. 
maybe a month, two months, three months, however long it takes you to recover. If you've had a C-section, the opportunity is still there. I personally got Dampu four months after giving birth, and that would be considered like late. But it's really, there's other ways to take care of your body than just having the Dampu. And I know that in the trailer episode of this podcast, someone mentioned it. It's like, I'm not refuting the benefits of getting dump. Massages are amazing. If for nothing else, for your mental health, to just be able to get away, lay down for an hour and get pampered. Like that in and of itself is amazing. But to have the medicinal benefits behind it, which sometimes we don't even talk about. So when we do the episode on dump, we're going to talk about like why people do it. It's not just for fun. Like there's some medicinal um, benefits to getting dump. But I don't like the statement that, like, after giving birth, if you don't get the dampu, your body's going to be ruined forever. There's people who have C-sections, they can't get dampu. There's people who don't live in Senegal, there's no one around them to dampu them. And so, no, we're not going to just discredit someone who's gone through nine months or eight months of this very taxing experience and then say, oh, your body's going to be ruined forever if you don't get a dump." People all around the world don't get dumps and they're fine. So it's a luxury. It's a privilege. It's uh, great to have, but it doesn't make you any less of a healthy recovering mom if you don't get dump. Now, this is going to be the last one that I talk about. I feel like I've been just going on and on about all these things. Um, breastfeeding is interesting. I personally hated breastfeeding when I first had a baby because it hurt so bad. I kept thinking to myself, if this is what it's like, we can go ahead and just end it right here because I don't plan on continuing to do this very painful, traumatic thing. Like breastfeeding hurts so bad. And I remember, so the last point is that when you're breastfeeding and your breasts are sore and your, they, they, your nipples hurt, just keep going. That's what they tell you. Like, just keep going. Like, and you're sitting there like, this hurts so bad. I don't want to breastfeed any longer. Like, I don't want to give this baby my nipple that is cracked and sore and, and just really painful for the sake of being brave. And I feel like that's sometimes a common theme in our culture a little bit, that certain things you just brave through no matter what. Instead of looking at ways to make the situation better. So instead of saying, oh, take some shea butter and rub it on your cracked nipples, that should really provide you some relief. Or let's get some nipple cream. Or let's pump instead of giving the baby the nipple directly. Now, I realize some of these things are a luxury. It's a privilege to be able to have a pump and be like, I'm going to pump instead of give my baby the boob directly. And sometimes there is some benefit to having the baby just continue breastfeeding despite the pain. But we shouldn't have this blanket mentality that no matter how painful motherhood is, no matter how painful childbirth is, no matter how painful anything is, that you should just bear through it because that's what it is. I feel like we shame people for having an epidural or we shame people for not breastfeeding for two years or a year and a half. We shame people for so many things around motherhood that it it makes it not an enjoyable experience when it should be. And eventually breastfeeding became an enjoyable experience for me. Like now it doesn't hurt as much as it used to. 
But in the moment when you're going through the pain and you're going through the challenges and the difficulties, the last thing you want to hear is just keep going or like you should be able to or I did it. So why can't you do it? It's not a competition. It's not a battle. It's not a race. Everybody has their own journeys and their own experiences when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. And breastfeeding is one of those things that it's going to look different for everyone. Some people are able to breastfeed for two, three years. Other people, two, three months, they don't have any more milk to give to anybody. And so they have to supplement. There's no shame around supplementing. And so I feel like there's just a lot of comments that are made around breastfeeding, a lot of comments that are made around motherhood and pregnancy. And that's how I'm going to close this episode off with like a mini rant around all of these things people tell you. And I don't know why, like, it's one thing to share experiences. It's one thing if somebody asks you a question and you share what worked best for you and you make suggestions to other people. But some of these statements are blanket like flat out, this is what you should do. Or if you do this, this is a consequence with no backing behind it. It's literally just like, just do what I say with no explanation and no rationale behind it. So that can be frustrating. That can be very frustrating, especially if you're going through this for the first time. You want information that is like, I don't know how to describe it. You want information that's good, timely, beneficial, pertinent to you without it being judgmental. If information is judgmental, like, oh, if you don't cut your baby's hair, then this is what's going to happen. Like, that was a bad example. But you get what I'm saying? Like, if somebody is just giving you statements with low-key some threats behind it, then that's not going to encourage you to have a positive experience. So I'm going to wrap up this episode by just saying that I personally enjoyed this rant format. I took down some bullet notes of what I wanted to talk about, but it wasn't really as elaborate as before because I feel like it was hard to script a direct response or like an authentic response to some of these things. So I wanted to speak freely on them. But yeah, I think that as a culture, we just have to do better at doing and giving more research based things <laughs> and not just doing things for the sake of obviously culture, Ada, Chasan, those things are going to happen. Like you're going to do certain things just because, and I do that. Like there's certain things that I do or say just because I was told to or that's what I've seen my mom do or other people do. But when it comes to how to best take care of your baby, you know best. You know how to be a mom without ever having done it. It's one of those things that's like once the baby arrives, God just gives you the skills that you need to take care of it. And so don't spend too much time dwelling on what other people say. Do what's best for you and your baby and your family and the rest will work itself out. And with that, I would like to give you all a rendezvous for next week's episode. I don't know the topic yet. I have a list of topics and every week I'm like, hmm, what's most relevant? What should I talk about? Based on the comments that you guys give me too, the feedback that will also determine what to talk about. So I get a lot of comments from people coming and saying like, oh, this is how my journey was or this is how my experience was. And so that's what fueled today's episode. But I will give you all a rendezvous for next week's episode. And with that, I want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to share, subscribe, download the episodes, and I'll see you next week.